All right. Now I'm unmuted. <laughs> Got to get the live stream set up. Do the recording. Get a title and all the other stuff. Uh, hey, everybody. How are you doing? I'm Praying Medic, and this is my Supernatural Saturday broadcast for Saturday. I believe it is April 9th. Uh, I've got a interesting broadcast for you today. We're going to talk about a subject I don't talk a whole lot about, uh, but it's an important subject, especially if you're interested in healing and deliverance. And a lot of my uh, friends and people who follow me on social media, they're quite interested in healing and deliverance. And we're trying to figure out, trying to understand the various ways in which uh, God releases healing to us and sets us free of evil spirits. Uh, if you've been following my broadcasts for a while, you know that we're just we're digging into this. We're uh, learning about the ways in which power and authority come to pl into play in healing and deliverance. Briefly, uh, and you can catch my other videos on the subjects, but uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus called the twelve to himself. He gave them power and authority to cure diseases and over evil spirits. So we generally use authority uh, to get rid of evil spirits, and you can use authority to command parts of the body to be healed. The release of power is used to work creative miracles, creating new tissue, create a new meniscus, new cartilage, new tendons, new bone. You release the power of the Holy Spirit, that generally brings healing. Now, uh, sometimes people aren't healed. <laughs> and one of the questions I'm, I'm asked a lot is, okay, what do I do then? I've exercised authority, I've released power, I've got, you know, commanded spirits to leave, and uh, symptoms are still there, not healed yet. So there are uh, many things that go into the healing dynamic um, I have a list of about 18 of them at this point. Different issues that we need to address that can hinder our ability to receive healing. I'll just say it that way. There are things that we can do, things that we have to address that can prevent us from being healed. One of them is emotional trauma. So over the last, uh, what, two months, I think, we, we've been seeing people posting testimonies in the Telegram channel of physical, they've received physical healing after they went through emotional healing, healing of emotional trauma. Uh, Notorious DOG, she's a good example. She had a torn meniscus. Uh, her testimony is she'd go up and down the stairs and it sounded like a bag of potato chips. <laughs> if you have crunching crepitus in your uh, knee joint, usually means the meniscus is shredded and you need a new one. She had been using uh, my approach, releasing power, uh, exercising authority, trying to get this knee healed, nothing was happening. But she was also going through emotional healing at the time. And she went through emotional healing and started dealing with the junk that was uh, that, that demons were using to afflict her. And then at one point, uh, after dealing with some issues that the Lord had highlighted, she crawled in a bath commanded her knee to be healed, and she got a new meniscus. The, the carpetus and pain left. Now, um, she had to deal with this demon that wanted to come back, and it would come back, and she commanded to leave, and it would go. And it would come back, and she had to command it to leave. And this there's, there's a battle, a spiritual battle going on. So uh, it's, it's important if you want to receive your healing and maintain your healing, you need to be aware that we're in a spiritual battle. Just because you get a spirit of pain uh, to leave at one point, that doesn't mean it's not going to come back. And if, uh, if symptoms return, if they're healed and then they return, that generally indicates that you've got some work to do uh, on emotional healing. And, and, it, and it could be another issue. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So I'm just kind of giving an overview here. Uh, when your body does not respond to the normal ways that we, methods that we use for healing, it's good to consider other possibilities. 
right? So a lot of people don't consider emotional healing. <laughs> They're surprised. People email me like, I've got migraines. I have uh, herniated discs in my back. I, you know, I've got what other issue it is. And they'll ask me, you know, what's your, what, what should I do? And I'll tell them, well, you should consider emotional healing. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> I've got scoliosis or I've got, you know, degenerative disc disease. And people don't realize that you can have physical symptoms. You can even have radiologic changes on your x-rays and CTs. And the condition can still be rooted in emotional trauma. And many times, if you go through the emotional healing uh, and then, you know, get rid of the demons, uh, your symptoms will go. Sometimes uh, your body will physically change. Sometimes the spinal stenosis, the discs that are herniated, the meniscus that are shredded will actually be made new. Uh, and that's, that's a manifestation of the healing. So when we're, when we're talking about healing, uh, when we release power, okay, we're working a creative miracle. And that power, the power of God that dwells in us, when we release that power, goes into our body and it creates new tissue. It creates new bone tissue. It can create new cartilage, new ligaments, new nerves, tendons, bones. It can create any new tissue. It can create a new eye. Now, that is a manifestation of the power of God. All right. Uh, the pain that you're feeling is a manifestation of an evil spirit. <laughs> okay. We're talking about manifestations of two different things. Manifestation of God's power is healing, miracles, and deliverance. Manifestations of um, evil spirits, pain, sickness, disease, death, uh, tumors, um, degenerative disc disease, and, and all these um, other conditions, chronic inflammation. Uh, a lot of the inflammatory processes in the body are actually manifestations of demons okay if you have uh, I would say if you have asthma and fear uh, anxiety panic attacks generally those two things are connected and they're manifestations of an evil spirit a spirit of fear uh, a lot of people who have asthma uh, have been healed of it after going through emotional healing and getting rid of the demon the evil uh, spirit of fear so, again, manifestations of evil spirits, manifestations of the healing. Now, the reason I brought this up is um, a lot of times we'll release power to work a miracle, and it won't manifest in the natural. It doesn't mean, mean we didn't release power. So let me kind of unpack this a little bit. Uh, when when I pray for someone to be healed, um, I, I kind of use sometimes use a shotgun approach. I will release power to work a miracle. I will command ligaments, nerves, tendons, bones to be healed. That's an exercise of authority. I'll command evil spirits to get out. Exercise of authority. And sometimes the miracle doesn't manifest. All right. In other words, if I'm if I'm praying for someone who needs a new meniscus in their knee, that miracle may not manifest immediately in the realm of time right now. It doesn't mean I wasn't releasing power. It means it didn't manifest. It may mean that what is manifesting is a demon. <laughs> if the person still has limited range of motion, pain, crepitus in their knee, that's a manifestation of an evil spirit. So what, what, what I need to do sometimes is, you know, have the person go through emotional healing. When they get healed of the emotional trauma, that removes the wound in their soul. And it's soul wounds, generally speaking, that allow evil spirits to attach to us and manifest pain, sickness, disease, injury, and illness. Okay. Those are manifestations of evil spirits. So if I do help the person go through the emotional healing and then remove the evil spirit, suddenly, boom, their knee is healed. Well, what happened? The manifestation of the evil spirit is gone because the evil spirit itself is gone. 
And then the manifestation of the miracle suddenly happens. The miracle manifests. The power of God is manifested in them. The manifestation is, hey, I have normal range of motion, no pain, no crepitus. I can walk on my knee just fine. Right? That's a manifestation of the miraculous. And sometimes we need to get rid of the evil spirits in order for the miracle to manifest. Now, I'm, I have to sort of uh, bring you guys up to speed in all this because what we're going to talk about next, Court of Heaven, it's it has a lot to do with um, how evil spirits afflict us and how they can manifest things in our life and how we can remove their ability to do that. So what is the deal with the courts of heaven? <laughs> All right. Um, I was not um, originally, you know, years ago, I didn't know nothing about the courts of heaven, never heard of the courts of heaven. It's not something that is taught in most churches, certainly not mainline denominational churches. You're not going to hear a lot of Sunday sermons on the courts of heaven. Uh, but uh, I stumbled upon this quite by accident uh, a few years ago. I had been listening to some teachings by Mike Parsons and Ian Clayton, and they had mentioned um, Courts of Heaven. It's a new subject to me. I didn't know anything about it. Listened to some of their teachings. I got kind of a basic uh, understanding of, of how it operates, how, how it functions, the court of... Well, we're specifically in this uh, message, I'm going to talk about the court of accusation, also known as the, the mobile court. So I listened to their teaching. I got some basic understanding of it. Went through the scriptures. I found the biblical basis for it. And then, uh, and then I got to put it into practice. Uh, one day, I, was, I had a high fever. I was sick. didn't know what it was from. It just didn't seem, it wasn't a urinary tract infection. It wasn't a respiratory infection. Um, I didn't have the flu. I just had this raging fever. It was a fever of unknown origin. And this fever was going on for like three days. I had people praying for me. Uh, you know, we, friends were just going, going after this thing and it wasn't changing. Nothing was happening. So I, um, I was laying there in bed one afternoon, just sweating like crazy. I had my eyes closed and I saw in my mind something that looked like a courtroom. And I was like, okay, well, Lord, what is that? And as this vision progressed, I saw a book sitting on a table and I saw writing in the book and I just kind of, because of my familiarity with the, the concept of the courts of heaven from listening to other people teach on it, I understood that the book contained accusations by the enemy against me. That was my first introduction to the court of heaven. I, I dealt with the accusation. I, I, I pled the blood of Jesus and within a few hours, my fever went away. It was healed. And that was that was my first, not my only, but that was my first introduction to the court of heaven. Now, I'm going to go through um, the scriptures and uh, kind of just give a little bit of um, background information on the court of heaven. A lot of people have this a hard time understanding if the court of heaven is real, the court of accusation, uh, is it biblical? Why isn't my pastor teaching this stuff if it's real? You know, why have I never heard of it? So going to go through and we're going to do a little bit of teaching here. Uh, Daniel chapter 7 is a good place to start. So in Daniel chapter 7, uh, Daniel has a vision, a series of uh, night visions, basically. And uh, and here, here's how it starts out. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. So Daniel is at, it's at night, he's sleeping, and then he has a series of visions and probably a dream. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision at night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and the four great beasts came from the sea, each different from another. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 9. Uh, then I watched. Here's the thing. When you're um, trying to engage the realm of heaven, it's very important to learn how to watch and pursue a vision. Now, <laughs> I'm going to take a little segue here. 
Um, in my book, um, Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple, I teach quite extensively on learning how to develop your ability to see in the spirit. We all have the ability to see in the spirit. It's not a gift. It's something, it's, it's an innate ability we all have. For a lot of us, that in ability is not developed. And, and you can develop it with exercise. And in, in the book, and also in my new uh, video-based class on seeing in the spirit, I give exercises that'll help you uh, increase your the effectiveness of your ability to see uh, visions. And this is what Daniel's talking about. He says, I saw the vision and I watched the vision. And he kept saying in this passage, I watched and then I watched and then I watched. When God gets your attention and he's showing you something in a vision, you have to pay very, very close attention. Don't be distracted and allow the vision to play out. And let God show you what he wants to show you. All right, verse nine, I watched until thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow. The hair of his head was pure as wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Court was seated and the books were opened. <laughs> right. So Daniel is describing the Lord here as a judge, and there's a court with him, and books were opened, right? So that's kind of what I saw in this vision when I had my fever. I saw a courtroom, and I saw a book opened, right? Now, I'm going to go a little bit further. Zechariah chapter 3 actually has some very good information on how um, Satan accuses us in heaven, right? I'm just going to start with Zechariah 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, right? So this is Zechariah, the prophet, is talking. And he says, the Lord showed him in a vision, or either that or Zechariah was in heaven and observing this happen personally, in person. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Now, this is going on in heaven. So we've got the angel of the Lord, and we've got Satan, and we've got Joshua. And Zechariah is there as a witness, and he's writing all this down. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and he was standing before the angel. What do filthy garments represent? Sin, right? Symbolic language. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away his filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you. I will clothe you with rich robes. So in this experience, the Lord takes away his iniquity, and that is symbolized by new clothing. And I said, Let him put a clean turban on his head also. This is Zechariah talking. He's talking to the angel of the Lord. He says, Hey, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. All right, so this is just a little bit of the, that dynamic of what happens in heaven when Satan is there accusing us. Now, what happens when Satan accuses you? Well, we just saw here that the angel of the Lord said, I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> yeah, he may be guilty. He's wearing uh, dirty clothes. He does have sin and iniquity, but I'm going to remove it from him. Now, if you go to John, First uh, John chapter 2, John writes this, My little children, these things I write to you, that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he, he himself is a propitiation for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the whole world. So Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He is also our advocate. And the word here, advocate, could also be translated attorney. And it says here, if we sin... We have an attorney. Why do we need an attorney? Because uh, Satan and his minions are going to go to the court of heaven and they're going to accuse you of the sins you've committed. And Jesus is your attorney and God the Father is the judge. All right. So uh, generally speaking, if you're going to take some issue to the court of accusation, 
it's, it's actually a very simple process. It's not complicated. Generally speaking, if you're going to go there, um, not always, but most of the time, you're going to see something in a vision in, in your mind. You'll see pictures in your mind. Some people will appear in the court of heaven through what uh, basically um, hearing. Right? They'll, they'll hear voices. They'll hear an accusation. They'll hear the voice of the judge. They'll hear Jesus talking. Some people don't actually see what is happening in the court of heaven, uh, maybe because they haven't de fully developed their ability to see in the spirit. Right? So some people perceive the court of heaven as images in their mind. Some people perceive it as things that they hear. There's different ways in which you can uh, perceive things going on in the court of heaven. Some people um, first appear in the court of accusation when they feel like someone is accusing them. I've received a lot of testimonies over the years. And some people have just had this nagging feeling like they, they just have a feeling someone is accusing them. And, you know, they email me and say, hey, you know, I just have this feeling like I'm being accused like every day. Why do I have this feeling? I, said, I don't know. Maybe there's a, a demon in the court of accusation who's bringing accusations against you. Why don't you go there and find out? And they'll ask the Lord uh, to convene the court of heaven. And sure enough, demons will show up there and start accusing them. And that's typically what happens. Um, so uh, the normal sort of uh, way that this unfolds is uh, I will either get a uh, kind of a heads up from the Lord that I need to go to the court of heaven. Sometimes if I feel like there's an accusation against me, or if I'm, if I'm really struggling with the issue and I just can't get breakthrough on it, I will check in at the court of heaven and just see, Hey, is there an accuser here? That is, you know, some demon that's accusing me of something that I need to address the accusation. Why you would might want to go to court of heaven. Uh, there's a variety of reasons. Um, and there's a variety of ways to do it. There's not a single one way to do it. Uh, everybody's experience in, in the court of accusation is different. I have read a lot of testimonies, and every one of them is different. Even people who go back repeatedly, there's always a different dynamic going on. Something else happens. Someone else shows up. The court looks different. Oh, I went there one time, and it was just one little stupid demon I went there the next time and there was 25 demons, all big monsters, all screaming and hollering accusations. It's, it's always a bit different when you go there. Um, the first time I went there, there weren't any demons. My accusations were written in a book. Right. So um, the, the primary thing that you want to do when you're going to go to the court of heaven is you can, you can ask the judge to call the court of heaven into session if you'd like. You can simply ask God the Father, hey, I'd like to call the court of heaven into session. And the judge will then call the court of heaven into session. Uh, you can then ask for your accusers to be present and to hear the accusation against you. It's usually a good approach. So uh, how you do that is, is up to you. You can do it in your mind. You can do it out loud. You can say out loud, uh, judge, I ask you to convene the court of heaven. And I would like the accusations against me to be read. You can just say that. Or you can think it in your mind. And God hears your thoughts. So he can convene the court of heaven that way. Sometimes people will, will hear, again, hearing uh, in their spirit, in their mind. They'll hear thoughts that are the accusations. Sometimes you'll see the accusation. For me, my accusations are read, written in a book. It's not for the way it happens for everyone. But you want to know what the accusation is. Uh, I'm going to read a testimony here in just a little bit. And the accusations were given to this woman in a, in a rather interesting way. So what happens when the accusation is written? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 25. Jesus said, Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, the bailiff, and he be, you be thrown into prison. <laughs> okay. So when you hear an accusation in the court of accusation, Jesus says, agree with your adversary. All right. Most of the time, um, a, an accuser, it's going to be a demon most of the time, uh, is going to accuse you of something you've actually done. 
right? So whatever whatever you've done in the past that was a sin, uh, the demon's probably going to accuse you of doing that, whether it's cheating, lying, stealing, committing adultery, uh, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. Um, in, in a human court, the goal is to be exonerated. When you hear someone accuse you of something, you're gonna, your instinct is going to be to try to prove that you didn't do that. So you're going to want to present evidence to the court that I'm, I'm, I'm innocent. In the court of accusation in heaven, uh, you always plead guilty because generally you are guilty. And your job is not to proclaim your innocence. Your job is to proclaim your guilt. <laughs> all right. We're all sinners. We're all guilty of committing sins at some point in our life. Right. So the, so the accuser is just going to sit there and give accusations to the judge and say, Hey, judge, I am tormenting this person because they sinned. Uh, they did this and therefore now here's an example in Ephesians chapter four, verses 25 and 26. The apostle Paul wrote, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. Okay. So what does that mean? That Paul is implying that if we harbor uh, sinful attitudes like uh, unjust anger, it gives the devil an opportunity to afflict us. And this is the, one of the issues that needs to be addressed in the court of heaven. So the, the, um, the demons will take advantage of our sins, sometimes emotional wounds, Sometimes just sinful behavior, wrong attitudes, wrong views of ourselves, wrong views about other people. Sometimes it is a vow that we made. I, I know an example of a, of a from a man who was uh, when he was in school. He had a teacher who didn't like him, and uh, the, the assignment for that day was to have each student stand up and read in front of the class um, a passage from a book. And uh, the teacher set this kid up for failure. The teacher gave, this is like a sixth grade class. The teacher gave this one guy an 11th grade reading assignment. And he had a hard time reading the words, didn't understand them, couldn't pronounce them, stumbled and stuttered and hesitated through this, um, you know, reading this in front of the class. Became terribly embarrassed and was very, you know, it was full of shame. And he said to himself that day, I will never speak again in public. That was a vow that he said out loud. And for the rest of his life, he could not speak in public if he wanted to. He would stumble, stutter, hesitate, get panicked over this. Uh, he went through emotional healing. And one of the issues that came up was this vow that he made that he, when he was younger, he said he would never speak in public. And he went through emotional healing and deliverance. And it just happens that he had to renounce this vow that he had made. And once he renounced that vow, he was unable to speak perfectly. He's actually a very eloquent speaker, but he had sort of cursed himself when he was younger saying, I will never do this again. And a lot of people do that when they're young. They have a, a negative experience, a traumatic experience, and they'll say, I am never going to get married. I'm never going to speak again. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to go to college. I'm never going to work for this kind of uh, company. And demons will actually use your own words against you. And they'll then attack you and they'll sabotage your life based on your own words. So many times when you go to the court of accusation, don't be surprised if a demon quotes back to you something you said years ago and you're like, oh my gosh, did I really say that? Okay, I, I renounce what I said. I, I repent of that. Uh, you know, judge asked me to nullify what I said. Sometimes you'll have to um, reverse something that you said, take it back, cancel it, nullify it, or renounce it. Now, that's just, just one example. Now, I'm going to read this testimony. Uh, I, I love getting these testimonies from newbies who go to the court of heaven. All right, so this woman wrote, Hi, PM, for a long time, like 20 years, my family has experienced a string of freaky incidents, illnesses, accidents, financial issues, depression, etc. So much so and strange that it didn't make sense 
in the natural. I've long suspected that a lot of this has been coming from oppression from the enemy, but I wasn't sure, apart from praying and seeking wisdom, what to do about it. I've been thinking about getting a Bethel Sozo session, and if you have any thoughts about that, it'd be, I'd be interested. Since following Q back in January to now, I've become interested in your ministry even more uh, than Q at some points. In fact, if Q stopped posting, I would continue to follow you for the ministry. I suspect God is using Q to bring you, uh, you people he can set free through your teaching. And I'm here to tell you I'm one of them. Back on the topic, courts of heaven. I've been listening to various YouTubes of you and others discussing the courts of heaven. And it's been simmering for a while. The idea that I needed to go there to the judgment seat of mercy has been growing for, uh, on me for weeks. But I didn't want to screw it up or show up unprepared. So I bought your Kindle book uh, on it to learn the steps to do it. Defeating your adversary in the court of heaven. Finally, last night, some painful, dark, spiritual things were happening to my daughter, and I knew it was time. So I got quiet, and I prayed uh, for entry into the court. Nothing much seemed to happen. <laughs> this is pretty common. I, I hear this from a lot of people. There I am. I'm quiet. I'm praying. I'm asking. I don't really see anything. I don't really hear anything. Then the enemy began to try to put doubts in my mind. So I said, I believe the Lord has invited me there, and I would wait patiently. And I asked for the judge and for the Holy Spirit to counsel me. A little more time passed. Then at some point, I knew the court was in session. So I followed your step-by-step -step process as best I could recall it. I didn't see the judge. I didn't see the courtroom. I didn't see any witnesses. It was just sort of dark, but not scary. I asked for the accusations to be read, and nothing happened. Hmm. Then, within a few minutes, I heard them in my mind. So she got thought impressions in her mind, and they were the accusations. And they were not the things I expected to hear at all, but all of them were true. Some were recent and some were very old, things I had not thought about in years. These were not the things I would have thought of nor brought up on my own. Some things I kind of expected to hear were not even brought up. It was very enlightening. As they were read, I saw a box like an old-fashioned television from the 1960s appear, and inside there was a man's face calling out the accusations. The face changed with each one. It was the same person, but the facial expression was smiling and sometimes laughing. It was kind of like an animated slideshow of that face with different expressions. Some had mustaches, some without, some with lots of theatrical makeup, and some were plain all with the same voice, laughing and accusing. It was not scary or grotesque, just some man I didn't know. At each accusation, I said, yes, I did that. I'm sorry, and I repent. And I claimed the blood of Jesus for each and all, all my sins. I also repented and asked for forgiveness for anything my family had done. Right, so if you have issues in your family, this is a place where you can address generational issues, family lineage issues, uh, whether it's you know, drug addiction or alcoholism or Freemasonry, sometimes that can be addressed in a uh, court of accusation. Uh, I repented, asked for forgiveness for anything my family had done. I didn't receive any more accusations, but I put it out there anyway. At the end of that, I asked for a judgment and received forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. So what we do when we go to the court of heaven, court of accusation is we ask for the accusation to be read, we plead guilty, and then we plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus takes away all of our sins, right? So I just tell people, look, go, to, go there, listen to the accusations, plead guilty, and then tell the judge, you plead the blood of Jesus, which wipes away all your sin. All right. When I looked up, the television with the guy inside was gone. The decree wasn't verbal, but something had changed, and I knew I had received it. I think there was a glow of soft light, but I'm not sure now. Then, as you suggested, I also asked for a scroll that I could keep within my spirit to use as I went forward to enforce the judgment, speak God's healing, and rebuke the enemy. So let's talk about that. Sometimes when you go to the court of accusation, uh, the judge will give you a declaration. He'll either declare you innocent. Uh, he might issue a ruling against 
the demon. You can have the demon imprisoned. Sometimes the judge will issue a document, like a scroll. Um, I sometimes receive a scroll when I go there. Sometimes I don't. Uh, in, in the scriptures, you'll see people like Ezekiel and John, um, they receive a scroll. A scroll is like they, they swallow it. <laughs> it goes inside of their spirit. It's, it's revelation. It's revelation from, from heaven. Right? So sometimes it contains instructions or a decree. Uh, if you receive it, you can just sort of put it in your spirit if you want to. Uh, and then there's the issue of enforcing the verdict. A judge is usually going to render a verdict. And uh, like any, like a human court, um, just because a judge issues a verdict, that doesn't mean that um, the, the bad guys can't continue breaking the law. We have law enforcement officers, uh, police here in in the earth realm because they, in, they enforce the law. They can't prevent criminals from breaking the law. They can arrest them and enforce the law after they've broken the law. So what we have to do after we receive a verdict from the court of accusation, we have to enforce the verdict. If a judge tells a demon, uh, you have no more reason to harass him. I'm issuing a decree that you stop harassing that person. That demon can come down here and still harass us. If the demon harasses you, if you know, whether it's a spirit of sickness or fear or whatever it is, if you receive a verdict from the court and that demon comes back to harass you, take him back to court and hold him in contempt. And that looks like you ask the judge to convene the court of heaven. You go back there and you say, okay, judge, you issued a verdict. I need to enforce this verdict. This demon is still harassing me. I want you to hold the demon in contempt. And the judge will, can then hold the demon in contempt. You go back about your business, that spirit comes back and your symptoms come back. Take the demon back to court and <laughs> tell the judge, I want this demon held in contempt again. Judge, he's, he's violating the order, right? So there's a little bit of a, a back and forth here. Eventually the demon will get sick of being held in contempt and probably leave you alone. But there, there is a little bit of uh, a dynamic where it's a spiritual battle. It's not just a one and done thing. Like you can just go to court of heaven and receive a verdict and think you don't have to enforce it. You have to enforce it. And, and this is a, actually the place where some people will say, you know, I've been to the court of heaven and I've done this and I've done that. Well, are you enforcing the verdict? Just because you went to the court of heaven doesn't mean that demon's not going to come back and afflict you again. You have to then exercise authority, right? So the court intervenes and the court issues a, a judgment, takes away our sin uh, and issues a, a verdict against the demon. It's then our job to enforce the verdict. We still have to exercise authority and command those evil spirits to leave. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that, that'll just do it. Like you get, go to court, address the issue, get a ruling, and that demon will not come back. Sometimes it will. So if it does, enforce the verdict. Now I'm going to keep reading here. Uh, a scroll appeared, and as I thought about it, becoming installed and tucked away into my spirit, the scrolls floated over to me and passed through my chest into my spirit, which absorbed them with joy. I felt a great confidence that I could use these going forward, and that feeling is still with me today. I think asking for the scroll is a key action, which I'm glad you recommended. Then it was over. I opened my eyes, and I was back in my room. I felt like a ton of weight had just been lifted from my very weary spirit, and I had new energy. I slept well last night. Nothing in the natural had changed. I didn't talk to anyone about it. Today I got an, an unction to start speaking and praying. And as I spent a long time in very detailed prayer for the healing, peace, wholeness for each of my, uh, my wife and daughter, and then lastly myself, I commanded the unclean spirits who have been tormenting my wife and daughter and me to leave. I asked the Holy Spirit to bring his healing presence to give me wisdom and knowledge about what to pray for, and the words flowed. As I was praying, I could feel the energy flowing through my spirit, and both of my hands were kind of trembling, but not in weakness. At the end, I was sort of vibrating, and I spent some time just being in the presence of God with a heart overflowing with gratitude 
and prayed in the spirit for a while until I felt the visit was over. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to end there. So this person is, um, his testimony is he went there, got the judgment, received the scrolls, is enforcing it. He's asking God to bring his healing presence, which is a huge issue. He felt God's presence, right? So he talks about trembling and vibrating. That's, that is a manifestation of God's presence. And I, I, I haven't been able to follow up with this person, but this is a really good testimony of someone who went there for the very first time, never done it before. What they saw, what they felt, what they experienced, uh, a little bit of a update on what's been happening after that. One of the things I would, I would just warn you about, uh, unlike an earthly court where you can take other people uh, to court, you don't want to take other people to court in the court of accusation. I've had some people email me and say, well, I'm being harassed by this person, so I want to take this person to the court of heaven. That is not a good idea. You don't ever want to take another person to the court of heaven. Uh, it's a court of accusation, and it's a place where demons accuse you, and you have a chance to address the accusations and have Jesus deal with that issue. It's not a place to deal with interpersonal uh, relationships or, or even really legal problems. The best way to resolve legal issues, defamation, harassment from another person is in human courts. The, the caveat that I would say is if you're if you're having a, a legal issue with your business or a ministry or something of that nature, you could go to the court of heaven, but you're not going to be asking for another person or business or entity to appear. You're going to be asking for an evil spirit to appear if they have an accusation against you. Keep your uh, your your interaction in the court of accusation focused on any accusations that evil spirits are bringing against you. Here's the protocol for the court of heaven. Ask the judge to convene the court. Ask for your accuser to appear. Ask for the accusation to be read. Agree with the accusation. State that the blood of Jesus is your defense. Ask for a verdict from the judge. Receive any documents that the judge wants to give you and then enforce the verdict. And that is it. Uh, like I said, it's one of many dynamics that can be involved in, in healing. It can pertain to other things, like this uh, particular person said, um, there were a lot of other things going on in their life where they're being harassed and oppressed by demons. Um, sickness is just one, one example. I, I tend to deal more with sickness because, well, it's my superpower. Uh, healing, and <laughs> a lot of people are afflicted with sickness and disease, and they're uh, they're looking for help. There are other dynamics to be considered. There are generational issues. There's DNA issues. Um, you know, emotional healing. Uh, the list is quite long. I will be doing other videos in the future that cover uh, more extensively the, the various issues that need to be addressed, um, but. That's that's kind of a, an introduction to the court of accusation, how it, what it is, how it works, and how we can go there and uh, have Jesus uh, deal with some of these demonic issues. All right. I am going to open up the conversation for people who have questions. All right, Lisa Perna. Lisa, what is up? Okay, now I can hear you. Are All right. we good? We're good. What's up? Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Well rested. Good. good. Well, I'm just going to, I am just here to give a testimony to your wisdom because the very first time that we ever met in person, I asked you about the courts of heaven, having no idea that this was going to be something I was going to do, but I guess the Holy Spirit knew. So you told me exactly what you said today. And so I was in a, um, I was basically in something that I felt was unjust because as I was driving down the road, my front driver's side tire flew off of my car and I felt like, hmm, I think the enemy is trying to kill me. So I said to the Lord, I said, this is, this is not fair. I said, I need to go to the courts. 
but nothing really happened. Two days later, as I was driving to work, praying in the spirit, all of a sudden I heard the gavel of a court being um, summoned to attention. And immediately I started to see a courtroom. And as you told me and instructed me, I said, okay, I'm always going to just say I'm guilty. So I didn't actually hear the accusations. However, I just said that I was guilty of all the charges that um that i uh i have repent i plead the blood of jesus christ over every and all accusation and i ask for mercy from the court within a few seconds i heard the gavel and i heard not guilty at that point i saw a vision of jesus coming over he kissed me on top of the head and he said good job <laughs> awesome awesome uh and that's how it works you yeah. know that's how it works. If you, don't, you don't, if you don't even hear the accusation, but if you have a sense that you're in, in the court of accusation, you can just say, hey, judge, I'm guilty of whatever they're saying. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. Guilty, plead the blood of Jesus. And it can be that simple. So thanks, Lisa. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Shannon Bennett. Yes. Hello. Thank you so much, Dave, for all you do. Um, so I have a question. If you, is it okay to go with a prayer group to the courts of heaven to, um, to address issues? Yep, it sure is. Actually, I, I was, uh, I have some friends, um, uh, who are still on Facebook, although I'm not, <laughs> um, who regularly go to the court of heaven and they go there as a group and, and there, so yeah, it, it can be effective to go uh, to the courts of heaven as a group to do intercession. Um, this is just the very beginning of the issue of the courts of heaven. There are other courts of heaven. There, there's a court of angels. Um, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the other ones. There's a lot of other courts, and in some of those courts, some very interesting things happen. Uh, some of those courts are are appropriate for group dynamics. Michael Rivera, uh, you have your hand raised. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Oh, that's it. And it's Michelle. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm named after my dad and you surprised me. I never thought you would call on me. Uh, and this is, <laughs> this is the first time that I've actually heard you speak of this. But I did have a question uh, because I feel like the Lord is leading me to help to deliver people from um, spirits that afflict them or otherwise. And I have this fear that I will be accused in the middle of a deliverance. Uh, how would you address that if that were to happen? Because to stop a deliverance and process and have to call for the courts of heaven, how, how would you deal with that? That's a really good question, and uh, I will have an answer for you. So what you can basically do um, is sometimes uh, comes down to doing multiple things simultaneously. Uh, if you're doing the deliverance, uh, I hope that you're using emotional healing in that process. And I realize that some people just kind of strictly do just straight up deliverance and that's all they do. They just do deliverance. I don't know that that's the most effective approach I think that uh, more of a, a holistic approach is probably more effective. So in the deliverance dynamic, deliverance is just a small part of the overall ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's physical healing, there's miracles, there's deliverance, there's emotional healing, going to the courts of heaven, dealing with generational issues. I think that if you're going to be most effective, you have to learn how to use all of those tools simultaneously. That's been my experience. If I'm working with someone who needs healing, first I might uh, release power if they need, you know, a miracle. Then I might use exercise authority. Uh, I may try to get rid of some demons. If the demons are resisting and they're not leaving or they start manifesting, uh, I will then, you know, consider using emotional healing, take the person through emotional healing, maybe do another session of deliverance, I feel led, go to the court of heaven. You can just very quickly go to the court of heaven and say, hey, uh, Your Honor, uh, is there an accusation that needs to be addressed that hasn't been addressed yet? And if so, 
Hear the accusation, plead the blood of Jesus, and boom, you're done. You can literally take 10 seconds. It doesn't have to be a very long, elaborate process. And then you can go right back to whatever it was you were doing. All right. Uh, that's a good question. Linda Swart. Uh, Linda, you have your hand up. If you can unmute yourself, what would you like to ask? Or do you have a testimony? Um, well, I think it's more a testimony. I've been reading along with you and practicing um, emotional healing, and I was able to stick a penny to the wall. Yay. And I'm staring at it right now. It's been there since 1051 this morning, and I'm just really geeking out because I just didn't think that that was a possibility. So with, with everything that I have, thank you for all you do. It makes me want to cheer up. God is good. God is so good. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you, Linda. Okay, God bless. All right. Uh, let's see. That was awesome. Barbara J has her hand up. Barbara J, if you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Uh, hi, Dave. It's great to talk hey. to you, and I thank you for everything that you've done. Um, one of the questions that I have is really off topic and a little sort of down, but I just, I'm totally curious. When we try to do healing for ourselves or for other people, uh, what, what happens if they're not supposed to be healed? I mean, what if it's their time to pass and that's how they're going to pass and we try to heal them or in myself, whatever, and, and it, and I, I don't get healed. I mean, like if a person gets in a car accident, or has a massive heart attack, they didn't do anything to cause that. It's just their time. So how do we know when we're trying to heal people that it's not just their time? Thank you. Yep, that's a good question. Uh, I I personally believe that it is always God's will to heal us. And that's just my personal belief. You're free to disagree with that if you want. But when I look at the ministry of Jesus, uh, Jesus, number one, represented the will of the Father uh, more clearly than anyone who ever lived. If you want to know the will of God, look at Jesus. He demonstrates the will of God. He taught the will of God. Everyone who came to Jesus for healing was healed. He didn't turn away anyone. He didn't say, you know, it's not the Father's will for you to be healed. He's working out a plan, and he's got a redemptive purpose for your sickness. Everyone who needed healing came to Jesus was healed. Everyone who needed deliverance from evil spirits was set free of evil spirits. Uh, Jesus ruined every funeral he ever went to. He was, always, he was raising people from the dead. Right? So it's, it's my belief that it is God's ultimate will to heal us. Now, there is the will of uh, a few other characters to be considered. We have to consider the will of uh, Satan and evil spirits. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, The thief does not come but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So in that passage, Jesus contrasted the will of the Father, life more abundantly, with the will of Satan and the evil spirit, which is death, destruction, sickness. So um, evil spirits want to kill us, maim us, keep us in sickness and bondage. That's their will. And if and then there's our will, the will of the individual, right? So humans have free will. They can agree with uh, God's will or they can agree with the enemy's will. I prayed for my younger brother who had terminal cancer. Uh, I sat in his bedroom, in his hospital room for about uh, 24 hours, right at the end of his life. Did a lot of prayer over him. I saw God doing a lot of things inside of his body. I thought he was going to be healed. At the end of the day, uh, he died. And I, what I didn't know, uh, because I hadn't had time to talk to him before I went and visited him, he had already given up. He had uh, basically decided he, it was his time to go. And he was fairly young. He was in his 40s. God is not going to negate our will. 
So if we choose that to die, if we give up hope, if we decide we don't want to be healed, God's not going to uh, interfere with our, our free will. God will let us die. And it's, it's not that it's his will, but if we decide that we don't want to be healed, God's not going to, it, free will is a real thing. If you decide you don't want to be healed or can't be healed, um, you're not going to be healed. I, there was a woman in the chat a few months ago who um, we were trying to do healing ministry with her, and she had just decided in her mind that she wasn't going to be healed. She had this uh, medical condition, and she was convinced that God didn't want to heal her, and I could not convince her otherwise. She would just believe that God wasn't going to heal her, and she was going to have to just live with this. And, you know, that's, that's a reality. If you, if you feel like you can't be healed or don't want to be healed, or if you have believed that God has for some reason chosen not to heal you, it's going to be very difficult for you to receive healing because your mind, your will, your emotions, they all play into this. And some people are able to receive healing very well with gladness and, and, and they don't have a lot of um, roadblocks inside of them. Other people, they have a lot of roadblocks. They have a hard time receiving anything from God. And that's an issue of our own woundedness, our own perspective on God. A lot of people can't really relate to God as good, loving, generous, and benevolent. They sort of see him as a, as a grumpy, old, judgmental uh, guy who just wants to hurt people. And they can't receive. Uh, their ability to receive is broken. And that's one of the issues that needs to be addressed. All right. Uh, I'm starting to lose my voice. <laughs> And uh, we've been going on here for a while. Uh, I've had a really good time uh, discussing the court of heaven. Like I said, it's not something that comes up all that often. Although, I have to say this. The book, uh, Defeating Your Adversary in the Court of Heaven, which is available on Barnes & Noble through their website. It's also available on Amazon. Um, if you look at the reviews of all of my books, this book has more reviews than any other book. And generally speaking... Uh, you get about one review for every 100 purchases. So uh, I'm, I'm not begging people to give me reviews. But as an author, I can tell you, generally speaking, um, if you if you write a book and a 1,000 people buy the book, you'll get 10 reviews. Uh, this book has a little over 1,100 reviews, so that uh, probably puts the sales at around 100,000 copies. And I had no idea that the book was that popular until a couple of months ago. I went and looked at all the reviews, and I was like, wait a minute. This book has more reviews than any other book I've written. Uh, it's, it's very popular. It's a very short book. It's very simple. Uh, if you want to pick it up as a little guide, there are several different protocols and guides in the book that will help you. Uh, on the other hand, you can just listen to this video and share it with your friends, and all the instruction that you need is in the video. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of Supernatural Saturday. Those of you who have been uh, supporting us financially, I want to thank you all. Uh, we have had an incredible outpouring of support uh, from friends and, and followers on social media over the last four months since I started, you know, went back to teaching on healing and deliverance and the supernatural. I, I know that people are being blessed by the messages. I have been blessed by your support, your prayers. I am on cloud nine every day. I love reading my emails. All the testimonies that I get are just amazing. All right. So if you if you have a testimony or if you have a question, you can email me. The email is admin at prayingmedic.com. You can email me through the contact page on that website, prayingmedic.com. Uh, there's also another website. That's our primary ministry website is prayingmedic.org. Uh, all of my ministry videos, the Supernatural Saturday videos and, and other videos for healing, those can all be found on prayingmedic.org or my Rumble channel. Uh, there are two Rumble channels out there with Praying Medic. Mine is the one that has, I think, 72,000 subscribers. I do these broadcasts, the live streams, second Saturday of every month at 1 p.m. Eastern. I plan to be doing another broadcast Next month, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. We'll have to uh, take a survey in the channel and find out what people would like to hear about. Uh, like I said, though, your prayers and your financial support have blessed us greatly.
we, we just, Denise and I are, are astounded at what God is doing. Healing people, teaching them about his kingdom, teaching about, about his goodness. And we've been blessed in every way. So thank you all for your support. That is going to do it. I'll catch you on the next live broadcast. Uh, please keep us in continued prayer. And uh, have an awesome day today.